Good morning, this is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, we're going to talk mobile devices today, ladies and gentlemen. I have in our studio Mr. Maxwell Rigsby, who is the Chief Product Officer for Gadget Software. Max, welcome to the program. Darrell, it is a pleasure to be here. So, Max, before we jump into gadget software, mm -hmm. um, tell us a, a little bit about your background in education and how you came to Gadget. Yeah, so it's sort of an interesting story. Uh, I've actually run around Wall Street for many years as well as Silicon Valley, um, both as a chief technology officer and I've, I've run a number, of, uh, a number of shops. And it just so happened in the last venture that I was in, uh, actually in Whippity, New Jersey, um, a technology company which we uh, which was sold to Cisco Systems. Uh, at the end of that, my partner Dan Crane and I had an opportunity to pick up on some mobile technology, uh, and we did, and decided to take a run, if you will, at finding an interesting way to apply mobile technology to some of today's interesting content challenges. And. Um Tell us a little bit about your educational background. Where did you learn all this technical stuff from? So it's, it's interesting. Um, I initially went to school for history, uh, kind of interesting. I, I, as you know, I'm a, a big history buff, but always found a real need to put my hands on technology. Um, and so I've actually been in and around uh, high tech probably for a good uh, 30 years mm -hmm. uh, in a variety of capacities, both uh, hands-on as well as sort of management and strategy, uh, working for companies, again, such as Cisco and Brocade, Lehman Brothers, um, and, and spent time with uh, even companies like SockGen, helping them organize, deliver, and manage, and a number of startup companies. So this is really my third, my third startup company. Uh, and I like those in particular because that's where you really get to cut your technology chops. And so I like managing teams, product teams in particular. Um, and it's been a lot of hands-on experiences for the past 30 years. You know, it's very exciting. We're, we're sitting here in the offices of Gadget Software in Newark, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, very interesting story as to why you and Dan chose to place the business here. <laughs> uh, well, we're both in New Jersey, so that helps, right? Um, we actually um, wanted to uh, place a company um, sort of uh, in, in a place where we had access to uh, not only resources such as uh, mass transit, such as train and so forth and so on, but we wanted to also be near um, uh, colleges. And as you know here, there's, there's Rutgers and NJIT and I believe Essex Community College. And Seton right. Hall. And Seton Hall, right behind us over here. Thank you very much. Uh, and so we decided that we wanted to actually uh, have a, a, a company that was uh, in a, within a community. We wanted to be within an urban setting. Uh, and we wanted to have an opportunity to solicit people from you know, far and wide. And, and Newark really affords us the ability to do that. And uh, recently I was in your offices and I saw you guys had a project where you had some folks come in, some young folks come in to learn how to code on the spot. Yeah, we're really uh, pleased with this. So we have a very aggressive intern program that we work with in power. Uh, and uh, what we do is we um, work with them to bring in interns for seven week turns. Um, here at Gadget Interns, which are a big part of our culture based on the work that we do 
are hands-on interns. I mean, they actually work side by side uh, with engineers and product team members. They work side by side at times with me uh, for what that's worth. Uh, and we really give them a full exposure to what it takes to bring um, a product from, if you will, idea through the cycle of development and then ultimately into the hands, uh, hands of a customer. Um, in uh, several of our interns, both through InPower as well as through colleges, so we've had some that have come from NJIT and other mm -hmm. places, you know, several of those have actually turned into full-time employment opportunities. And so we, we like sort of, if you will, that mentoring aspect mm -hmm. of really uh, taking these young minds mm -hmm. and, and the energy that they have right. and giving them an opportunity to really you know, sort of feel how the world comes together. Uh, and it's, it's exciting. So you, you did witness that, right? Yes. That excitement and energy yes. that occurs when they start to realize, wow, something really important. Opens up a whole new world to them. Opens up an entirely new world. So let's, let's talk about gadget software. Yeah. Um, VPUB. Yeah. All right. So I have a mobile device. I can read on it. You do. You and can. So what is gadget doing that's so unique and different? Yeah, this, is, uh, this is a really great uh, question. So when Dan and I... Uh, took on this technology, the first question we asked is, uh, you know, what is it that we can do with mobile that we believe would be different? Um, and there were markets that we felt, uh, you know, many people are in already. Yeah, call it retail, call it a variety of different things. And as we looked around, we noticed there seemed to be a real interest, hunger, and or need to bring complex content to mobile. Now, that's sort of an odd thing to say, right? Because um, you you can of course go into a variety of different stores and download uh, uh, eBooks, if you will, to your phone. Uh, you can even bring PDFs to your phone. But what we discovered is that that's not a a satisfactory reading experience for many people. Mm -hmm. And as we kind of we kind of question that, like, mm -hmm. why isn't that a satisfactory reading experience for people? And we started to do uh, some research within the product team to actually understand, mm -hmm. if you will, the essence of reading. How does it work? What does it mean? And lo and behold, what we discovered um, is that reading changes depending on kind of where you are conducting that reading. And so reading in a book or reading, if you will, across the internet or reading on a smartphone are vastly different experiences. And in point of fact, um, when, when the internet was introduced, um, that was really the beginning of a, a, a significant change in the way people go through the process of, of reading, and it carries through to this very day. And, and what are the key differentials between my mobile device reading versus my laptop versus my, I have my book? Yeah. So um, when we read a book, um, it's a very linear journey. We, we refer to it as deep reading, right? Um, you, you read uh, sentences and paragraphs and words, and you rinse and repeat that experience. You follow that prescribed destination laid out by the author in that linear fashion. Um, when we get to the internet, something important happens, right? Um, let, let me ask you, right? So have, have you completed your reading of the internet? Uh, I think I'm 1% of the way there. You're 1% of the way there, right? If, if that. <laughs> if, if, if that, right? Because no one actually reads the internet. It's not right. a thing you can read. Yeah. Now, the, the irony, of course, is the internet 
like a book has pages, right? Right. It has web pages, but those web pages are not bounded, mm -hmm. and so we don't actually read it. Mm -hmm. We hyper read it, mm -hmm. right? We we you know go to a page, we quickly find the parts we want, we click on a, a, a hyperlink, we go off on another journey. It's very non-linear. Right, and it's this non-linear part that changes the way we go at content. Mm -hmm. Right now, when we bring that to the smartphone, something else happens that mm -hmm. becomes pretty interesting. Whereas when we're on our laptop or desktop, we go at the internet. Mm -hmm. Our smartphones come at us. Right, right. So messages are delivered to us, mm -hmm. um, or we get involved in a news feed. Right. right, and we start right. streaming through all of this data. And what gets to be interesting here is that the information is not really structured like a traditional page, mm -hmm. but they're blocks of messages, yes. right? right. And the information has a tendency to be much smaller, it's mm -hmm. brief, it's concise. We normally get a summary of some kind, mm -hmm. perhaps we need to search it. And so we find ourselves today, uh, sort of in the context of the world, you know, filtering through billions and billions of messages, right? Mm -hmm. Whether those are email messages mm -hmm. or Twitter messages right. or, or Instagram uh, right. photo-based messages, far more of those mm -hmm. than we say are going through websites mm -hmm. or, or even reading unique, unique books. Order mm -hmm. of magnitude more. And probably the most important part is there are at least 3.9 billion smartphones in the world today, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. far exceeding Right. Any other type of the world media. population is what seven some billion seven point two maybe seven point three. So we're mm -hmm. we're we're more than half the population right. of the world today mm -hmm. has a smartphone mm -hmm. consuming mm -hmm. all of these messages, right? Right, which is driving a sort of a a mm -hmm. way in which we engage okay. the content, right? As 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 the famed scholar Marshall McLuhan told us, right. You know, the message is the medium, mm -hmm. you know, really look at that a little bit deeper. What is he telling us? The medium frames the message. Right. Right. And so where you're reading mm -hmm. will drive a lot. Right. right. In terms of how you perceive the information. But I tell you, as a consumer of information, I just feel lost. It's just, I, I just, I just can't manage it. Yeah, it's a lot of information. Huh? How, how will uh, gadgets, VPUB, help me to consume information? Um, I guess more efficiently, more effectively, more intuitively. Yeah, that that that's a that's a great question. Um, so first and foremost, let's talk about what we're focused on, because mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of content in the world, and we're not focused on all of it. Mm -hmm. We are principally focused on what we like to refer to as complex right. content. This is uh, information that has a tendency to be linear, not linear, lengthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Think of a textbook, mm -hmm. think of a scholarly journal, mm -hmm. uh, maybe you're thinking about um, uh, you know, a medical journal or some kind of mm -hmm. professional-based mm -hmm. information. Mm -hmm. um, this is information where it's perhaps 100,000 words and a lot of, uh, if you will, figures. Mm -hmm. And it may have diagrams, it may have all kinds of pieces of information. That linear journey on your phone gets to be very challenging against the backdrop of right. everything else that you're consuming, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about uh, what you do, if you're looking at email, email's right. a, a, a sort of an interesting example. Email never comes to you with the full mail. Right. What you see is 
if you will, um, a title. True from stuff. Right, yeah, mm -hmm. you, and you may see a little summary. And you're able to quickly determine what is in there and do I care? Right. By the way, same thing is true a lot of our news feeds. Mm -hmm. News feeds is it sort of takes that same spirit, but it applies right. it to lengthy content. Right. So where today you would say take an electronic book and see pages, mm -hmm. when you look at a VPUB, actually mm -hmm. th those same, if you will, paragraphs or sections, if you were to find them in a journal, mm -hmm. are presented to you as pages, but they're actually presented as messages. Right. 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 And these messages are <clears throat> bite sized. Mm -hmm. They have far less content per message, although right. the messages can be strung together in a serialized way to right. invoke uh, deep reading. Mm -hmm. What this allows is for you to interact with very complex material mm -hmm. in a manner similar to what you're doing with other applications on your phone. And it also enables us to attach other pieces of what we call reinforcing media. Right. I can have an image right. with that message, yes. if you will. I can have audio with that yes. message. Yes. I can actually attach a live map mm -hmm. to that message. Mm -hmm. Right? I can actually deliver that message as a message. Wow. Right? I can deliver it as a notification right. Right. based on time or right. based on your location. Wow. And so we can create a lot of interactivity. We store them as objects. And so now I can create right. them manage them in a way that's interactive, but organized in a, in a manner you know, that resembles in, in, other applications. You know, as, as in scholarly publishing, journal publishing, uh, researchers often, often have uh, co-authors. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if they're reading something in a VPUB context, um, they might read a paragraph or two, and they go, aha, and they want to immediately ship that off to their, uh, uh, yeah. their, their, their co-authors yeah. to do that. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you can visualize that uh, what I'm seeing here on the screen where they have actually taken this j academic journal, if you will, and they've, and they've cut it into what they call scenes, is that correct? That's correct. Where it al allows you to search within each scene. That's correct. And annotate that's, within each scene. That's correct. That's, and that's actually, from a, sharing, from a sharing perspective, um, we now can offer the ability mm -hmm. for you to send, if you will, this message, this object. Yes. You can share that with a person. I don't have to share the whole page, right. but I can share the kernel of the idea. Right. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Maxwell Rigsby, the Chief Product Officer of Gadget Software. Uh, Max, where can folks go online to read more about your content? Well, sure. Uh, well, so first and foremost, gadgetsoftware.com. Uh, that's number one. Uh, if they're in the App Store or Google Play, they can actually download, if you will, the gadget software, uh, uh, what we call the live client, which hosts all of our, our, our VPUBs. Uh, and we also have our own imprint called Gadget Media, so they can download that. And there they'll actually see, begin to see a number of different examples of publications that are either put together by us or put together by other people to really show the power of using this kind of technology to communicate content, really complex content, in a manner that's simpler to consume, but it does not lose any of the importance and, and sort of cognitive requirements that are, that, are, that are there. Some time ago, I had the opportunity of uh, hearing you do a lecture in the office about the, the telegraph. Yeah. And the differences between the different mediums. Yeah. Can you share with our audience that whole scenario as to how Lincoln was communicating back in the day yeah. during the Civil War? It's sort of, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. So through our research and discovery, trying to understand 
Uh, why is some content working on the smartphone and other pieces of content not working nearly as well? Um, it actually took us on a, on a journey back in time. And down one side, uh, if you will, uh, is this uh, clear understanding we have in terms of Gutenberg, if you will, uh, in Germany, in the printing press. And it finds its way all the way to Tim Berners-Lee with hypertext, right? And this journey is a journey of pages, and it's a journey of you know, fairly complex uh, information that we've been reading for a long, long time. Now, the smartphone actually is not really derived from that journey. Uh, the smartphone uh, actually is a descendant of the telegraph. And it's a descendant of the telegraph because if you follow that line, uh, the telegraph that was uh, really invented by Morse, or certainly he's the person credited with it, right? Um, Alexander Graham Bell uh, actually discovers, if you will, the telephone trying to improve the acoustic telegraph. And therefore, we get the telephone. We also end up with AT and T, right? Mm -hmm. American telephone and right. telegraph. And of course, if we take that journey, that telephone journey, telephone mm -hmm. to cell phone, mm -hmm. cell phone incorporates text, and then ultimately cell tel telephone or cell phone, if you will, becomes much more powerful mm -hmm. with computer technology, that mission of being concise, which is what the telegraph was about, has not gone away. It's still very, very concise and it's very immediate. Now, uh, in today's world, we think a lot about our current president and the amount of messaging that he does uh, through Twitter, uh, but he certainly wasn't the first uh, person to embark upon using sort of electronic media as a way of communicating his message loud and clear. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, starting back in 1860, uh, really started to use the telegraph. And, and um, as the war progressed um, and the telegraph became more prominent, Lincoln used it quite a bit. He was a, a very um, big proponent of the use of the telegraph as a way of communicating with his generals, sort of directing where he believed that troops should be deployed in the field, communicating with governors, kind of getting involved in some political conversations back and forth. And it's interesting when you read these messages, um, they're very concise, right? Very concise, very tight. You know, he realized that, you know, I can't really spend a lot of time. Brevity. Yeah, brevity, brevity, becomes, brevity becomes everything. And so uh, we're actually working on a publication right now where we are taking all of Lincoln's if you will, telegraph messages. Mm -hmm. We're bringing them into a VPUB so that people can experience that. But we're gonna take it a little bit further. Um, we're combining some of his messages with today's language so that they feel a little bit more like tweets. Um, he has mentions in there, which mm -hmm. we actually uh, set up as hash hashtags, <laughs> okay. right? similar to what you might find in Instagram. And we're also setting them up so that people can receive messages sort of in the time and the date that Lincoln sent them, mm -hmm. right? So it's possible with one of these virtual publications that you'll receive a message uh, that might have been a message that uh, Lincoln sent to, uh, to General Grant. But you're, you're going to kind of get a sense of that because it's going to come to you at the time when certainly Grant or the telegraph operator mm. near Grant would have received and started decoding that message. So it's a way of actually showing not only the power of it, 
but also how that idea of message-based delivery hasn't, hasn't, hasn't gone away. And so this will allow you to either dive into each and every message individually or read them serially day over day, right? Also to see through mapping technology where the message traveled to and from, uh, as well as being able to receive that message in a, in a manner similar uh, to the way people were receiving it from Lincoln himself. You know, Max, uh, we, we both have uh, young daughters. I guess they're, they're, they're young women yeah. um, who are really mobile natives. Um, and looking at the industry's current, the textbook industry's current issue, it sounds like gadget, software, uh, ARS, VPUB could really be a solution to as to how do you get the right content into the curriculum in the student on the device that they're reading. So what's, I, I think this is where uh, this collision of sorts between um, this very lengthy content where we, where we attempt to try and go on a linear journey um, and this concise content where we're thinking about information more as utility, that this is where things kind of come into a little bit of a collision. Um, what we're doing is trying to, if you will, marry the two ideas together. By enabling people to receive those short bursts of information, but to organize them in a manner, uh, in, a, in a utility-like fashion that mm -hmm. makes sense for them. Let's face it, if you're very, very few people read a textbook end-to-end, um, they have other things going on. By the way, the same thing is true for journals. Very few people read right. the journal. But what they do want to do is pull out the relevant pieces of information, hold that information, right, right to either quiz themselves, mm -hmm. test themselves, write their paper, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And so the VPUB ARS technology enables not only for that to happen, right. but to happen in the time and space that makes sense for mm -hmm. the person that needs that information. Yes. Right? I'm standing in line at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. um, let me kind of go through my virtual publication, mm -hmm. pull out the pieces that I need. Mm -hmm. um, or I'm supposed to read through what we certainly refer to as an episode, uh, others may refer to in the book world, they refer to as a, as a chapter, mm. I can now begin that read. And as I'm going through that read, uh, there's other reinforcing information to help me retain it more effectively, mm -hmm. right? We are putting content into the device um, with an understanding that the user, the owner of that device, has many more interests, other interests, other than our own. And so we're making that content easy to remember, easy to access, easy to hold, and much easier to use. And more importantly, similar mm -hmm. to the kinds of uh, tools, mm -hmm. technologies, and, 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 and content-oriented uh, applications that they're using. And did device. I understand that this content on this VPUB will be geospatial, which means that if I'm um, reading Sherlock Holmes, in one of your VPUBs, that if I'm in, uh, London, and I'm around one of his areas that uh, it will pop up on my mobile device? Yeah, yeah. So we are uh, publishing, if you will, in VPUB format, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. um, so not only are we kind of spinning that tail a little bit so that it has some visual aspects, including, by the way, some of the original images mm -hmm. that were included in some of the original mm -hmm. presentations back in the late 1800s, um, the, the original magazine articles, it also has uh, geotechnology. 
And that geotechnology will allow you to actually see the places mm -hmm. that are going to be part of any given story, but you are correct. If you are in London, mm -hmm. um, as we start setting up the geofencing technology, we're setting up fences around the very areas in London that represent the different places mm -hmm. or the different mm -hmm. scenes, mm -hmm. right, where certain actions actually happen. Right. So, so not only can you, you know, look on a map on your phone and sort of see, wow, I'm within, wow, I'm really in striking dense mm -hmm. distance of a number of places. As you are approaching those places, you would actually start to receive a notification letting you know that like, you're here and the scene that's involved in that was the scene that will be delivered to you. Let me pose a question to you. Uh, this, this time just flies by. I'm a CTO of a major scholarly publisher. Why is this important for us to consider? Yeah. I think this is probably the, the biggest question for We're us using all. HTML5. We're so-called mobile compliant. Yeah. And, and, and that's fine, right? I mean, mobile compliance is important. But what we're really talking about is the organization and presentation of content for mobile. Um, I mentioned earlier that, that you know, HTML, if you will, um, is really a page-oriented technology. It's fantastic technology, actually. We support mm -hmm. HTML within our platform. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the trick here is to organize the content, present the content in a manner mm -hmm. that works for the medium. Mm -hmm. What works on a landscape structure desktop screen mm -hmm. does not work on a portrait oriented handheld device. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have the same amount of real estate, mm -hmm. right? I don't have uh, the same window of view. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have, I can only show but so mm -hmm. many words actually right. on, a, on a small device. And so the reason it's important is because it flows with the way your reader is consuming mm -hmm. the content mm -hmm. instead of attempting mm -hmm. to get them mm -hmm. to read on that device content that's designed for another medium. So what we're talking about is providing our, re if I'm the CTO of Elsevier or whoever, I'm going to provide our reading community, which is very important because we want our content to be read. Yes. If it's read, it can be cited. If it's not read, it can't be cited. That's correct. You're saying that there's a greater opportunity for our content to be to well, be read. well, a hundred percent. Here, here's here's just a simple fact, right? Mm -hmm. um, the the simple fact is that not everybody carries every book they'd ever want with them. So that that'd be kind of heavy, right? That'd be that'd be a little bit difficult. Um, I don't believe, uh, as we were walk, I was walking around out, outside earlier today, that uh, people were walking around with their laptops open as they were in the park across the street. But what they did have in their hands were, were their smartphones. And so here's the thing we do understand. As medium, the, the likelihood that someone will have a smartphone is higher than any other content device. By the way, even UNESCO. Mm -hmm. Right, who's very much focused on on literary literacy, uh, published um, a report, and that's the United Nations Educational something. Cor right? Correct. Exactly. They they published a report. I believe it was last year, mm -hmm. talking about the importance of mobile devices in developing countries, because the likelihood that someone is going to have a mobile device is far greater than being near a library. Okay, so this is the reality, right? This is the device, this is the medium that is available. And so if you wanna reach your audience, man, you gotta reach them on the thing they're on. Now, yes, we could say, well, on 
you know, I've got responsive design, I've got all those things. But the real question is, are you delivering the content in a structure that actually works for the medium? Does it feel to the user the way their email feels, their Google News Feed feels? Does it allow them to search? Does it allow them to get to the small grain of information that they need? Remember, they have a small window, right? They have other things that are going on on that particular right. device, right. right? And more importantly, most importantly, they own it. So if they're not happy with the product you're providing, they decide you're not using location services. They decide that you don't get to use the cellular data. They decide I'm going to take your application and move it five screens over, which means I'll never remember to use it again. Right. And so you really have to think long and hard about creating the experience. Max, this, this has difference. been great. This has really been great. We've got to have you back on the program to uh, give us some updates on how Gadget Software is doing with the VPUB and the ARS, which is Atomic Reading Structure. Atomic Reading Structure. Darrell, thank you very much. I look forward to joining you again. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Maxwell Rigsby, who is the CPO of Gadget Software. It's been a pleasure, Max. Pleasure is all mine. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this weekend on Leadership with Darrell Gunter. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.